Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it is beautiful. If you find you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red tell me more button, and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited about today's show as every one of our guests from this week has provided us with bonus material. This is what we call Follow Your Yes Friday. In the 20 years that I've been doing research and working with partners and, and, and relationships and men and women, one of the things that I've found missing in many partnerships is, well, we tend to forget or maybe we just neglect to follow our intuition or what I call our yes, that gut feeling that tells us, here's what your next step is. Instead, what happens is we we tend to be in our partnerships and we're operating solely from our head. We're analyzing everything. We're disregarding just what our gut's telling. Sometimes we do pay attention. We we recognize that yes, that, that instinct, and we start to follow it. But here's the trick. We tend to not really own it. We don't defend it. We don't we don't set our boundaries with conviction. And this results in us abandoning our yes. We ultimately end up proceeding in our partnerships based on somebody else's yes. They put theirs on the table and we just go, oh yeah, that's good. And we go with theirs. What we're going to look at today, I've asked every one of our guests about their yes. Not just when they followed their yes, but also when they haven't. What happened when they didn't follow their yes? They didn't follow that gut feeling that said, oh, this is what you need to do next, and instead went strictly off their intellect and their analyzer and said, nope, nope, that doesn't pencil. I'm going to keep on this path. We've got information from every single guest that you heard this week that's going to help you understand the power of following your yes. Now, here we go. Danny Levin, an author, connectivity expert, and business leader, shared a story of a time when he did not follow his yes and ended up causing a very difficult time in his past marriage. Well, Danny, thank you again for everything you shared on the interview. Absolutely priceless. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to help us with one other thing, and that is we always focus on you know the importance of following your yes, your internal guidance, your instincts, whatever you want to call it. And what I'm going to ask you to do is help us illustrate why that's so important. And where I'd like to start is with a, a, a ask you to share a brief story of a time in your life when you did not follow your yes. Maybe in that moment, you didn't really realize you had one, but then you look back and you're going, wow, that was crazy. That was so clear, and I still didn't pay attention. Tell us about that time. Uh, uh, fabulous opportunity. And I'm going to, just like I did on the show, I think I'm going to disrupt, the, reframe the question a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been someone who has looked for the, uh, the truth in everything. And yet there is a very thin line sometimes between that yes that comes from source and that yes that comes from self. 
And one of the biggest moments where I misread that line was uh, many, many, many years ago. Uh, we had, I was, my wife and I had had a daughter who was developmentally delayed. And for both of us, it was a, it was a rite of passage. It was a very, very hard time. Um, and my wife had a harder time with it than I did because she was a type of person who um, wanted the world to give to her. And I, I happily did that because I was the great white knight riding in on my horse and helping everybody. Uh, but my daughter wasn't able, to, our daughter wasn't able to give back to her in the way she wanted that to happen. And so it created a lot of turmoil for us in our relationship because the way we parented was different. I tr and I, I think my wife was actually a better parent than I was in this moment because she was trying to get my daughter, our daughter, to do things for herself. And I just felt so guilty and so ashamed and so sad that this daughter, beautiful daughter of mine had come in with all these challenges. I wanted to help her do anything. So it created some tension in our relationship. And I remember standing on the walkway to a marketplace and a woman, I caught her eye in the distance about 20 yards away and something, something moved in me. And she actually came walking right to where I was and walked past me. And this is gonna sound weird, but Stay with me. I believe in that moment, some of the DNA that made up Danny went into her and some of the DNA that made up her went into Danny. And that we actually exchanged DNA in that moment. So much so that this perfect stranger got to the other side of, of me and stopped and looked at me like, what the heck just happened? And I looked and just said, you know, just keep walking. I'm married, just keep walking. Well, we didn't get that opportunity. As much as we fought it, I ended up having an affair. And that affair to this day still plagues some of my life. My wife at that point, 10 months later, got stage four breast cancer, died the most painful death you could ever imagine. And, um, that left a big burden on me. It, I felt like I had a hole in my soul, that something that I thought was so right was that it turned out to be so wrong. For many years, I, couldn't, I stayed single. Um, when I met Anna, the woman who you met briefly mm -hmm. and, and virtually, I wasn't looking for Anna. I was really, I was really, um, okay being by myself. I had almost decided I was ready to go off and be a monk and go off into the into caves in India and sit for the rest of my life. But Anand knew with such certainty that I was her man. And I was hesitant to accept it. I was I went I went slowly into it like the the relationship with the affair. Mm -hmm. I ran I, I hesitated but I ran. There was no stopping it. With this, I was hesitant and I couldn't run. 
And I thought, well, this obviously isn't the right thing because I don't feel all that passion and all that fire. And, and you saw she's an exquisitely beautiful woman. Yeah. Uh, and I'm an older, you know, heavy set man. And so most people would think that I went running after her, but it was she that came to me. And here's the other side of it, which maybe is the question you would ask on the second question that I'm pre-anticipating. Sometimes those things that are the most valuable for us are not the things that go in our gut and scream yes, but they're the things that we just know in our soul whisper yes. And it was the whispering of that yes, that was the whispering of just knowing that every relationship that I had that was full of passion turned out to be a log that burned out quickly. But every relationship, and I didn't have many, is really the first. Every relationship that started out with a slow simmer and a gentle, sustainable burn lasted forever. And so it's the gift of the opposite of what I believed. It's seeing something that I never saw before. It's having the beauty to have somebody who knows how to maintain a relationship, who, who can go up and down with the passion, but never gives up on the connection that has made what we have so strong. And I've tried to, to say, let's, let's, let's move away from this. Um, but she just won't go anywhere because that's how, that's how much she knows. And I'm sure that my, um, actions hurt her often. And I'm so sorry for that. But I think there's still so much fear that I have in me of the burn burning out that um, I can only do what I can do. And going back to our conversation earlier, mm -hmm. When I'm not kind to myself, I pulverize myself for what I do. When I am kind to myself, I become vulnerable and open. I share it openly with my wife. I tell her how sad I am to be the person that I am sometimes that I can't be more than, I wish I could be more. And we have real vulnerable, open conversations, which creates even deeper connections, which creates an even stronger mosaic of our love for each other. I'm being very vulnerable with you, maybe speaking too openly, but I think it's, it's a voice that needs to be spoken because in this day and age of Facebook where everybody shows themselves at their best possible moment, we start to think, why, why don't I have a life like that? But life isn't the best possible moments only. What makes us beautiful is some of those hard moments that make the best moments even more glorious. Does that make sense to you? 100%. That was absolutely amazing. And thank you for being brave and, and vulnerable with us and, and, and feeling safe to do that.
with us here at the show. So thank you so very, very much for sharing that, Danny. That That's so powerful. And I don't think there's anybody listening that can't relate to exactly what you just shared in their own variation. So thank, thank you, you again for sharing those and, and helping us grow in the, in the process. It's my honor and privilege. And, and I really want to thank you for just holding the space for these kind of conversations to happen because I think they're real conversations and they're purposeful conversations and they're beautiful conversations. And they're the conversations that connect us in a deeper, more meaningful way to each other than some of the um, just pretty bow ties and nice lipstick. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. That's My pleasure. Tara Cousineau, an author, psychologist, coach, and meditation teacher, shared a story of a time when she did follow her yes, and it led her to writing her brilliant book, The Kindness Cure. So, Tara, thank you again for the amazing information you shared in, in your interview. And I want to ask you a favor. If you would help us to illustrate the importance of following our internal guidance, our internal wisdom, what I call your yes. And where I'd like to start is actually if you share a brief story of a time when you did not follow that yes. Maybe in that moment, yeah, you didn't really realize you had one, but then you look back and you're like, okay, that was pretty clear. My gut was telling me what to do, and I still didn't do it. Tell us about that time. Yeah, well, this is actually kind of a, a, a recent one for me. So in our interview, I talked about relationships relationships, but my story is really about a business partnership or a business um, process. For a long time, I had my own small research firm called Body Mojo, and there was a small group of psychologists, and we were getting these great government grants, these innovation grants to develop technology um, to promote health in, in kids, and I called it emotional intelligence on the go. And um, I was in this for a long time, and then I started really getting burned out. I mean, it was like you know, you have to apply for a grant, you don't get a grant, you apply again. I mean, it's the hardest way to actually raise funds, to be honest with you. But, um, but we would persist, and then we would create something, and then we would publish in the peer-reviewed literature, and it felt great. And we had great partnerships with the universities and doing this. And all along, I kept saying, you know, this is just getting, this is wearing me out. I'm the, I'm the, CEO, the CFO, the COO, I, and the research scientists, and even if I had partners doing other roles, in the end, it always kind of was on my shoulders. And it was really hard to break out of this dynamic, if you will, that people would just look to me to fix the problems. And so, you know, like seven years in, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, I just want to say, no, like, okay, we could apply for this next grant. We got great results, but oh, I'm really tired. But I didn't because I felt obligated in paying salaries to research partners and the project managers and the research assistants and things like that. Like, I just really felt like I was contributing to their main livelihoods. And so I wasn't saying no. <laughs> when I should have. And so it's kind of a funny thing. This might be my pattern that I have a hard time saying <laughs> no. And, um, and I held on, I held on too long. Um, until we, you know, until it came to a point where the universe stepped in, where we were going to get this million dollar grant, like we got this notice of probable funding, where I said to myself, I said, Oh, my God, I'm in this for another three years, right. Mm. And then 
two weeks later, we got notice that they weren't going to fund it. And it was like this big slap in the face. And I looked at it and I said, oh, okay, universe, this was it. This, this was what you needed to tell me so that I could say no. It's a hard lesson. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, what I love most about that story was the fact that your yes was a no. Exactly. Your yes was, <laughs> here's what I don't need to do anymore. I need to change this. That's my yes. Now, it requires me saying no to continuing this, to continuing to be the employer of these people and so on. And I've often said that, you know, oftentimes no is the new yes. Because we're so used to not saying it. But when we say no to, you know, or say yes to somebody when we don't want to, we're still saying no. It's just to ourselves. Right. So you don't get away from not saying no. You're going to say no to somebody. Yourself right. or the person that you really wanted to say no to. Right. And that saying no is actually saying yes. Exactly. To your gut, which has been saying this to you all along, right? It's like, yes, I'm listening now. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm going to pay attention <laughs> instead of just keep yeah. going on. Do, do, do. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, let's flip this around then. Take us to a moment when you had that clear yes, but this time you didn't just recognize it, you followed it. Yes, and that's sort of a much easier story. And that is the story of when I, when I decided to write my book, The Kindness Cure. And I do believe that that was, well, there was a, right, it's sort of a traumatic circumstance. You know, my daughter gets beat up. I'm asking about kindness. Um, but I was actually really sort of upset and wrung out by the world at the same time. And I just, um, I don't know what I did. I, I think I, I had this great month where I saw, um, Liz Gilbert on her big magic book tour and I saw Brene Brown on her rising strong book tour that came through our way and it was really about kind of cutting through the fears and stepping into your vulnerability and then this thing happened to my daughter and I was asking myself what happened to kindness and all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I said I'm writing a book on kindness it was just like I popped up and it was like I'm writing a book on kindness and I and I said yes and you know what I got right to it literally within two months, I wrote a book proposal. Within three months, I, you know, I found an agent, I started pitching it out there. And it was such a clear yes, that I felt that all of the, the doors started opening. I don't know how else to say it. I do feel like it was like a divine intervention. Well, absolutely. And that's what our yes is. Right? It's divine connection. <laughs> yes. And what I love about what you just shared is that you, you know, you had this, this clarity, you're like, I need to write a book on kindness. You didn't know how to write a book on kindness, but you took the first step. And you went, okay, so I'm gonna do it. What do I gotta find out? Maybe I need to ask some people I know that are in the publishing industry. Maybe I just need to get online and find some stuff out. It's taking that first step. It's not going, oh, I need to get to the end of this. That's all pieces, but each step along the way is another yes. Absolutely. And you know, I really did practice a lot of self-compassion because my inner critic, when things are really important to you, your inner critic starts screaming its head off, right? Yeah. Um, it really does. And and I know that that's a sign. So my inner critic was like, you know, why do you think you can do this? Like all these sorts of things. And so I really started practicing a lot of self-compassion. I took a self-compassion course. Um, you know, I just started like really, um, you know, letting myself be okay with being scared and not knowing what the outcome was. And, um, and then there was a person who said to me, Tara, this was a de divine download, accept the assignment. This isn't even about you. 
This is about the message and the people you're serving. And that just flipped it around for me. I was like, you're right, I'm a messenger and I'm doing this for other people. This has nothing to do with writing a great book or you know, being a bestseller. This is about getting a message out because it's gonna serve somebody. And that really quieted the inner critic, I have to say. Yeah, no, that's that's a great insight. And it's, it's so great what you just shared, right? Because it's like, oh, we think this is about us. No, it's about the <laughs> right. message. It's about whatever's coming as a result. What's the outcome? It's, it's Somebody gave me the example once. They said, you know, Henry Ford, you know, basically is credited with starting the whole car industry in America. Well, he had a sixth grade education and nobody was asking for cars. Right. But he couldn't not do it because it was his it was his calling. He didn't start going, I'm going to be the wealthiest man in the world. I'm going to change the way the entire world operates. None of that was part of it. He just knew I have to do this. I mean, it didn't exist. He pulled it out of the ether. And like, I'm sure people are like, what are you using this for? I'm making a car. You're doing a what? I mean, like he had no support around this, but he was so guided. And then it ultimately had these unbelievable impacts on our world. And that's what we don't know. We don't know where it's going to go. So people go, well, is it going to be worth my time? You don't know. It's worth your time because it's your path. Yeah, it requires having faith, you know, faith and trust in the process. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, and that's that's the challenge. We want to see the whole picture. Like, well, tell me where this is going to take me. Nope, that's not how it works. You have to take the next step, and then we'll show you what the next step is. That's all it is. As my friend Kurt once told me, he said, Imagine your life going from yes to yes to yes to yes. That's all you care about. You're not Mm -hmm. going, oh, this doesn't work and that's a maybe. Those are irrelevant. Just look for the yeses and keep stepping from yes to yes to yes. And trusting that the yes that shows up now is the next yes for you. You don't need to know what's after that because you can't see it until you get to that one. Well, I love that because I always say to myself, when I, you know, what's the next best step, right? What's, what's the next best step? And just focus on that. What's going to move this forward? What's, what is ringing true to my heart? What's the next best step in that context? Mm-hmm. And then you just keep moving forward, keep exactly. moving forward and moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tara. These, these have been great stories. Very, very inspiring. Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. Thank you to all my guests for sharing their stories of the benefits of following their yes. And for you listening, I invite you to take what you just heard about the importance of following your yes and apply it to what you heard this week on the show. Chances are there was something that clicked for you when you were listening to our interviews this week. What I invite you to do is to implement it. It doesn't matter if it's changing a behavior or a belief you've been operating from Maybe it's looking into one of the resources or books that our guests recommended. Whatever your yes was from the material you heard from our guests this week, take it and act on it. And if you missed any of the interviews this week, simply go to speakingofpartnership.com and enter the guest's name in the search bar. It'll take you directly to the recording of their interview. You can view their show notes and find all the links to the resources they mentioned. Follow Your Yes Friday is all about you taking the next two days and applying something that you learned on the show this week. Follow up on something that caught your attention, where you thought, man, this is good. This this could really make a difference in my life. 
whatever that yes was, this is your compass telling you this is your best path. So follow it. From all of us here at Speaking of Partnership, we invite you to take your yes and take action on it today. Peace. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday, so make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day, and remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.